And in breaking news, the police in Greymouth say they're on their way to the Pike River coal mine after receiving reports of an explosion there. And it was the news that many had expected and which all had dreaded. Five days after an explosion in the Pike River coal mine, the police officer heading the rescue effort, Superintendent Gary Knowles, announced there'd be no miracle, no fairy tale ending. Unfortunately, I have to inform the, the public in New Zealand at 2.37 today, there was another massive explosion underground, and uh, based on that explosion, no one survived. The Pike River mine explosion in November 2010 killed 29 men. It was the latest of nine mining disasters and tragically similar to previous coal mine blasts. New Zealand's shameful health and safety record was highlighted in the subsequent Royal Commission report. And as a result, a new independent agency was created dedicated to safety, WorkSafe. But nine years on, it is failing its original targets. The country's three health and safety targets have been scrapped after WorkSafe failed to meet two of them, and 40 new performance measures have been brought in. Our health and safety record is still bad. We are overrepresented in terms of health and safety statistics throughout the world. It's depressing. And calls for more money are getting louder. WorkSafe's all that lies between us and unsafe practices. So you've got to fund it properly. But is lack of funding to blame for all the flack it gets? WorkSafe has been accused of being all talk after it issued a warning to construction companies. WorkSafe cannot say whether the agency's reducing workplace harm or is cost effective. Two years on from the disastrous Fakari White Island eruption, a lawyer representing Australian victims says the regulatory shortcomings are terrifying. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly and today on The Detail, what is WorkSafe and how can it do better? By and large, since Pike River and since the new legislation came in in 2016, you know, I have seen an uplift in terms of how organisations are trying to, to deal with health and safety. I think there's been a huge improvement in terms of engagement but unfortunately that's not reflected in the numbers and that's the conundrum. We'll hear from Chapman Trip lawyer Garth Galloway, who's worked on health and safety cases since 1994. But first, RNZ investigative journalist Anusha Bradley. When it was established, it had around $60 million in funding that increased to about $89 million in 2017. And earlier this year in the budget, uh, $143 million was set aside for WorkSafe. So it's had an increase in the last five years of about 50 60%. So there's a lot of money that goes into it, but I guess when you look at what its job is, it covers 557,000 businesses. It's kind of a big job making sure that all these businesses and their employees are healthy and safe. Oh, absolutely. And WorkSafe itself admits that its remit is incredibly broad. I mean, it has to cover every industry and around the whole country. So it does have a big job. It's not just looking at things like, you know, accidents and, and injuries. It's also um, in the last few years taken on, on what it's called mentally healthy work. So it's really looking at things like bullying, harassment and workplace stress. So it's added another layer to its remit. Um, so, yeah, it's incredibly busy and it's incredibly to be broad and some there is some concern that maybe it's it's remit is too broad and when you talk about the kind of powers that it has what can it actually do 
if there's a serious incident or death in a workplace, it, legally a business has to report it to WorkSafe. Uh, and, you know, WorkSafe, for example, last year in 2021, it received 1,500 notifications of serious harm or, or immediate risk of harm. Um, and there's been 814 so far this year. Now, it doesn't investigate them all. It actually only conducts about a couple of hundred investigations a year. And these investigations have been falling um, over the last five or six years. But it, it does have the power to investigate and to lay charges or enforce um, things like fines, corrections, improvements. Um, so it does have quite a lot of power and it can actually take people to court as well and charge them under the criminal system as well. Here's just a taste of some of the WorkSafe cases in the last few weeks. A Bay of Plenty company has been sentenced for its role in sending a dense cloud of lime dust across, to, across a motorway which resulted in a deadly multi-vehicle crash. can reveal WorkSafe issued Gloria Vale nine warnings in less than a year over safety failures at its businesses. Police has been charged by WorkSafe after the death of a gang member in custody WorkSafe, last year. which brought the case, says JTK Trustee Limited Trading as Fund Solutions put people in extreme danger when their slide collapsed at the 2020 Whangamata Summer Festival. So, Anusha... Why did you start looking into it? Well, over the last 12 months, I've been doing a lot of work on ACC, and that led me to uh, look at workplace accidents, which then led me down to the path of, of WorkSafe. And, and a lot of the data that WorkSafe uses comes from, from ACC data. And um, I guess I began looking at why WorkSafe hasn't been able to really significantly reduce deaths or serious workplace injuries over the last few years. It's had this, these targets that were set when it was first set up to reduce fatalities by 25% by 2020 and to reduce serious injuries by about the same amount by 2020. And it really hasn't achieved many of its targets. So it has reduced workplace fatalities, but Progress has stalled since about 2017 and people taking time off work with a serious injury, that's actually increased over that time. So I wanted to understand what was going on here. Now, WorkSafe has told me that while it has made some progress, the, when the economy grows, activity increases and so accidents increase as well. So it's saying that that's just, it's a natural progression that, that these things have increased. So, of course, we would love those injuries to go down, but it's not surprising as the economy's grown since Pike River and since the creation of WorkSafe that the number of slips, trips and falls and uh, injuries caused by vehicles has also grown. And I think with the Fakadi eruption, it shows that New Zealand still has a, a long way to go in terms of workplace safety. And I don't think it's any one particular agency's fault, but I do think there is a systemic issue that needs to be dissected and analysed so we can make improvements so we don't have another catastrophic event like Pike River or Fakati. So that, this is why I'm interested in it. There seems to have been numerous reviews of WorkSafe and there's been a, a, the latest review from Sage Bush was not very positive either. What, what are they saying is the problem here? The minister commissioned Sage Bush to find out if WorkSafe was spending its money wisely and focusing on the right areas. And this was after WorkSafe complained that it didn't have enough resources to cover all the areas in its remit. So it has, has a really broad remit. But what was interesting is that 
The sagebush analysts couldn't actually come to a conclusion about whether WorkSafe was spending its money wisely because WorkSafe couldn't even answer the basic questions of where it was spending its money and what its strategy was. And the report says that WorkSafe was actually unable to clearly describe its role. It literally says WorkSafe doesn't know what its role is. Um, and it couldn't say if its activities were effective or or reducing harm. Well, can we, I mean, for, for example, for Kari White Island, the eruption that, that led to that tragedy, what was its job there? So WorkSafe runs a third-party accreditation system for adventure activity operators. So it accredits a business which is responsible for auditing and doing the safety checks and doing compliance checks on these adventure businesses. And so what the investigations into WorkSafe in the lead up to the eruption found is that while it wasn't particularly WorkSafe's role in in monitoring those businesses that were involved in Fakari, but some of the parties that were involved in certifying those businesses weren't up to the task. They didn't actually use qualified people to, to do audits of those businesses. And so they didn't know if what the risks were, so to speak. So they did identify problems there and changes are afoot as a result of that. They are making changes to those third-party regimes, as they're called. Let's get to lawyer Garth Galloway to find out more about how those investigations work. We need to point out that he is acting for GNS Science, one of several parties facing charges by WorkSafe over the Fakari White Island eruption. That case will go to trial next July. Garth's long been a critic of WorkSafe, but he also has positive things to say, including that WorkSafe has done a very good job on informing and educating, a key part of its role as regulator. The other key part, though, of being a regulator is enforcement. It doesn't mean that you go around charging everybody as soon as there's a breach. But uh, the, the other part of it is that they must investigate to understand what's going on. And I, I think one of the disappointing aspects of WorkSafe's performance is that uh, certainly up until recently, and I haven't checked the figures in the immediate past, the investigation numbers were trending down very significantly. When uh, WorkSafe uh, opened up, uh, the investigation numbers were very high and they fell away markedly in the years that followed. And that meant that uh, WorkSafe was not uh, getting a lot of information that it could have got uh, to inform it as to what was happening out there. So, for example, I acted for a client a few years ago who dropped a five-ton concrete boom. It landed in the vicinity of a number of people and could have been a multiple fatality. Uh, They notified WorkSafe. That incident was not investigated. And I was left with a client going, you know, how can this be? Hmm. Because it could have been a major incident. So, you know, one of the things that I think is disappointing about their performance is they are not investigating enough events often enough. And and, and interestingly, that, that the numbers of investigations used to be updated on their on their website, and that has now been removed. What do you mean by investigation numbers? So, when um, someone notifies a serious harm accident it goes into the WorkSafe system. So there's an obligation on a PCBU to notify where there is a serious harm accident or whether an EMS event. 
You heard Garth talk there about a PCBU. That is a person conducting a business or undertaking, and they have a duty to notify WorkSafe. WorkSafe will pick up that notification, and they then have um, to determine what they do from that stage. And they have a few options open to them. They may decide that they'll ask the duty holder, the PCBU, to undertake its own investigation and to provide that to WorkSafe. And in those circumstances, prosecution will not follow. They may decide to investigate. And once they decide to investigate, uh, that involves, obviously, uh, a request for documentation so they understand the PCBU systems. And if there are other parties involved, they understand the contractual relationship between them. Uh, they will interview witnesses, they will interview people from the PCBU, and they will make a decision about whether or not to prosecute. Uh, and that, that can take up to 12 months. They have that long within which to investigate and lay charges. Or they can decide to do nothing. And, uh, you know, if I was to have a criticism, then it would be that in too many instances, there are notifications where uh, where no steps take place. In that case that you were working on about the, the boom that fell down, um, did you get an explanation from WorkSafe about why they didn't investigate it? No, you don't. Um, you, you, if, if you're acting for a client in those circumstances, uh, you don't seek explanations because the fact that they're not investigating means that there's no prospect of your client being prosecuted. To the contrary, though, I have sought explanations on behalf of uh, a victim where I've asked why uh, a matter was not investigated. And then we, I received a letter from WorkSafe in relation to that matter uh, where WorkSafe, well, we only have a certain number of resources, which is true and fair, and we only decide to investigate where we're satisfied that there will be a prosecution. And that was an extraordinary response because, you know, you can't fairly investigate a matter if you've determined that there will be a prosecution. That's just not right. Good information is learnt through that investigation process, and the PCBUs who, who go through them learn a lot. A WorkSafe investigation is an arduous thing for an organisation and, you know, lessons are learnt from them and done well. You know, they're a useful part of a regulator's process. When you say arduous, what actually happens when a place is investigated? If there's been a serious harm accident, then the first thing will be that the witnesses to the accident will be interviewed. And, and these incidents and accidents that take place are traumatic for everybody, particularly in a serious harm accident or in a fatality. It is awful for the people who are involved and not least the victims. They will start with people who saw the incident. They will then request uh, documents from an employer or from a PCBU. Those documents requests can be very substantial. So um, there is a toll that is taken in terms of complying with those. Uh, staff of a PCBU will often be interviewed, and then there will generally be a duty holder interview, and that's where you know, those uh, are often difficult occasions. They're absolutely fundamental part of any investigation. Uh, but needless to say, it is arduous for a PCBU, and, and rightly so. I don't think WorkSafe should make any apology for that. Are you saying that WorkSafe has been good on education but not good on enforcing the regulations? 
I think they've been um, they have been very good on some of the education material that I've seen. And indeed, with some of the liaisons they've had with clients of mine, where they have been genuinely helpful in terms of um, of providing information and wanting to have our clients having a better outcome. So, for example, um, I recently had a client who received a, an allegation of bullying. Now, the person who made that allegation approached WorkSafe. WorkSafe. Uh, have now introduced a an organisation that looks into that mental health and and the well-being of uh, workers mm. through you know not harmed in the workplace um, or not being mentally harmed in the workplace. That was a really good process. Uh, WorkSafe uh, indicated that they at the outset that they weren't looking to prosecute, but they were looking to educate and inform. Um, I think having spoken to my client, they were satisfied that there wasn't an awful lot to the allegations. But again, it was a really helpful and constructive process that I think enabled both parties to walk away uh, feeling, you know, comfortable. So, uh, so you know, I, I see those things as being very positive. Um, I, I don't think when you look at the investigation numbers, though, and how much they have dropped, uh, and and one of the reasons for that was that Fakari White Island was such a massive um, resourcing issue for WorkSafe. So tens of inspectors were involved in that. There's obviously only a finite number of inspectors. They would they were put in from all over the country, uh, and that means that you know you have all of them focused on that very significant investigation, unable to undertake the sort of day to day work that they would ordinarily undertake. So what is wrong here? I mean, is it purely that it just doesn't have the resources, it just doesn't have the funding? I think resourcing is is a is a very substantial issue. Um, you know, when you have the CEO saying that they that they need more resourcing, that that to me is like a cry for help. Um, it's unusual for the, for a, a government organisation for a, a CEO to be saying publicly that they need more resourcing. Um, so you know that is that, that that is a matter that I think should be taken notice of. Um, but again, you know, I also think at times I listen to the recent discussion around construct the construction industry. Shocking statistics have been revealed about the loss of life in one of our biggest industries. Over the last year and a half, at least two workers have died in construction every month, with just over one worker seriously injured every day. Add in one suicide a week, and it's prompting calls for urgent action. And WorkSafe saying that they're they're looking at that area and they're going to come down hard on anyone who uh, is in breach and so on. Every time we see this, we see risk exported down the supply chain and we see vulnerable workers being harmed or killed at work. So I'm being very clear. If you're further up the supply chain and you have influence and control how construction projects are done, we expect you to put people ahead of price. I mean, that's just nothing more than a, a statement of the law. Uh, and, you know, right from the outset and for many years, uh, WorkSafe and its predecessors have had, uh, for example, the transport industry, construction, farming, forestry uh, and manufacturing in their sites because they are the known areas where accidents happen far too often. 
So the the statement recently that suddenly construction was in the bright lights from WorkSafe's point of view, um, I just saw that more something along a PR exercise. Uh, 2019, 2020, you pick up the annual report for WorkSafe, it has construction at second in terms of its list of priorities. Mm. So I don't see a view in the fact that they're now saying that construction is being prioritised. It's been prioritised for years. What we're seeing, though, is uh, we're, we're failing to stop uh, the number of deaths which are taking place. And in some areas, they are getting worse. Um, that tells me that all is obviously not well in health and safety in New Zealand. And if you go back to the Pike River Royal Commission, it says that part of having an effective health and safety system is having an effective regulator. And I don't think that WorkSafe is particularly effective at the moment. You know, we have a country where... Uh, there is uh, and always has been this, uh, what you would, I suppose, refer to as number eight Y mentality. We have um, a number of industries in the past where I think WorkSafe has been frowned upon and you hear the expressions that it's a nanny state and, you know, health and safety, is it's, it's overkill and so on. Mm. And it's not. And that's wrong. Uh, but that has been part of New Zealand's culture over an extended period. And we do, I think, pay the, the price for that. Um, that. That's another reason, I think, why, for example, the obligations on officers are so important, because it means that organisations have to lead from the top and they've got to set the culture from the boardroom. But we, we are overrepresented. In, in terms of health and safety st- statistics throughout the world, it's pretty it's depressing. It's a, it's a tough job, though, isn't it, Garth? I mean, my understanding is that WorkSafe covers 557,000 businesses. And if you look at the construction industry, for example, I mean, I've talked to people who have worked in that industry, and it seems to me, because they've got different contractors, different companies, it's a bit cowboyish. They just flatly ignore the health and safety rules. That that's uh, undoubtedly true on some sites, uh, but it it doesn't speak to this uh, to many of the clients I act for in the in the sites that I see. So the major construction companies, no question that they have um, they have lifted their game and improved a lot. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, there are still a number uh, who have not, and there are a number of these incidents that continue to happen. And I agree with you. I think WorkSafe has got a tough job. Um, and again, if resourcing is an issue, that clearly doesn't help because um, it, it just means that you know you, you're, you're you're trying to put out fires all the time, but you can't actually deal with the real issue of what's causing them. When we approached WorkSafe for a response, it offered an interview with the Chief Executive Phil Parks, which we declined. But here's a summary of WorkSafe's written response to our questions. To ensure the data on its investigations is robust, WorkSafe says it has been reviewing it and will publish the figures on its website as soon as it can. It says there are reasons for the fluctuating volumes of investigations, such as the impact of COVID-19, the Fakari investigation, an increase in the scale and complexity of investigations. And it pointed out that a decision not to investigate does not mean no action has been taken, because alternative intervention may have been used. 
We asked the WorkSafe Minister, Michael Wood, if it would get more money. The statement from his office doesn't answer that, but says its funding has increased by nearly $32 million in the last five years. You can read more of their responses in our written story of this podcast. And that's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sarah Robson, Bonnie Harrison and Mark Jennings. And thanks to Anusha Bradley and Garth Galloway. Kakite anō.